Um, we're blessed to have people like that leading us in praise and worship. Yes, it really is. You know, it was uh, 1792, the year of 1792, a young cobbler and a young Baptist minister challenged the British Baptists and initiated uh, what they called the Baptist Missionary Society uh, in Britain. His name was William Carey, and he is now considered pretty much the founder of modern mission enterprise, if you will. He preached this very famous, famous sermon uh, that we now remember kind of by some of the catchphrases, right? Uh, Attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. Here's how he opened uh, that sermon. He said here, our blessed Lord has required us to pray that his kingdom may come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It becomes our task, therefore, not only to express our desire of that event by words, but to use every lawful method to spread the knowledge of the name of Jesus Christ. Yes? Two of you thought that was great. <laughs> Friends, we're here to worship God, and, and it is uh, one of these special privileges to bring that out. Jesus is saying and challenging us somewhat uh, like that, but with very different words. And I want you to turn to uh, chapter 5 of the Gospel of Luke, and we'll read the first 11 verses. This challenge that, that Carrie brought to Baptists changed the landscape of missions, evangelism, and outreach throughout the globe. The year after he preached that sermon, he and his family did what no one has really done that way before, um, at least not in, in that kind of way. Um, they moved to India where he had learned all these languages and translated scripture for them for the first time. Now, chapter 5. It goes like this. The crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word. And he was standing by the lake Genesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but... If you say so, or as the original text read, straightforward, at your word, I will let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear, and so they signaled to their partner in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. 
When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you'll be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. Just imagine that. Put out into the deep. It's kind of interesting to just consider the, the setting that is right here, right? So, so Jesus is preaching. There's no room for him. They keep pushing him. He's about to get in the water, so he uses a boat as, as a pulpit. And then he preaches, and he ends the sermon. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Peter, put out into the deep and cast down your net on the deep. And you wonder, is that the application? We don't exactly know what he said, but it seemed like he must have been saying something to that effect, expressing who he is, expressing trusting God, expressing, you know, how they need to follow him. I'm going to get back into that in just a moment. But they shoot out into the deep. No mere sermon. No lack of a challenge to act. Jesus was not looking for the accolade from the crowd for his great sermon. He was looking for the challenge. Right? So it is not about, it is not about uh, acclamation. It's about transformation. You need to learn something right here, Simon. That's the call, right? The challenge to change. Sticky faith is about that. Our call to be actual Christians is about that. The challenge to change. Not just to listen, but to be moved. And it is not, therefore, until we actually grasp this text that we get to that point. Just imagine this for a moment, right? He says, put out into the deep. And, of course, he's talking about the waters, right? And, and you're asking, why is he saying that? Well, he's saying that because it's not until we're out on the deep that we truly recognize our own dependence. We don't discover it, really, until we are out there where we can't touch the bottom ourselves. It is not until we're there that we see our own powerlessness to save ourselves. In fact, that is exactly what Paul also highlights when he said it is in our weakness that he is strong, right? We, we, we kind of recognize that. It to be on the deep where you can't touch the bottom yourself. You have to depend on that which carries you. Not a whole lot different, really, from what, what, uh, what the author of the Hebrews says, right? The faith, faith is being sure of that which we hope for is certainty about that which we cannot see on the deep. And it is as if 
This is a prerequisite for disciples when you look at it. It, it comes right there before the calling, and I'll get back to that in, in, in just a second. But, but just think about this, right? That this call to faith, again, Hebrew says it this way, without faith, it's impossible to please God. To be casting your net on the deep. It comes to us as two levels, and I want to speak to you first just about human beings, right? Not, not even as a Christian, just as a person, an individual. We are all moored by all kinds of things that have shaped who we are and what we have become. It's just what it means. There are certain kind of memories we have. There are certain kind of pains. There are certain kind of joys. There are certain kind of events. There are certain kind of things that moors us to a certain kind of way of thinking about life. And we need to be set free, friends, from that. It is as long as we have gotten into the kind of patterns that were created by that, we are locked into that. None of us can kind of say, well, that's not me. Yes, it is. We all have experiences for good or for bad, traumas, difficulties, great joys, all kind of things. It's hard to let go of sometimes. And we therefore find it somewhat comforting to just live that lifestyle we have found that works with that and we have firm ground under our feet and we stay on land. We don't really need Jesus because we can touch the bottom ourselves, yes? We don't really, really need him. We can be in control when we're on the ground. You know, I think, Simon, if you look at this text closely, and I want you to listen to me, young people, old people, in-between people, all folks, right? Just, just listen here for a second. This is so very clear. Don't forget, who's the fisherman? Peter is, yes? What is Jesus? He builds stuff, Right? He's on land. He's a carpenter or bricklayer and stone, stone mason and all that kind of stuff, right? That's, that's what that title is. We call him carpenter, but, that, but that's a better title. So some of his moorings, that is Simon Peter's moorings, broke when even though he, as the one who knows about fishing, let go and put out into the deep because Jesus told him to. And notice this. Everything changed from that moment. Yes? We have our lifestyles. We do our things, right? We get up in the morning. We go to work. We come back home. We do whatever we do kind of for entertainment. We do whatever we do to kind of eat, to hang with folks a little bit. We got our patterns, yes? And that's stuck. Just think about this. Peter, what did he do? Well, his purpose for life was what? You got to catch some fish and bring home. That's it. Now, you may say, well, that's not me. Well, you know, you may have advanced fish. But, you know, it's pretty much what we do. Yeah. And now Jesus says from now on, everything will be different. 
You're not just going to have a life whose purpose is to catch fish. I'm going to change the very purpose of who you are and what life is all about. That's what was going on right here. Peter realized not only who Jesus was in a new way, he realized who he himself was. And maybe that's the greatest thing any of us can actually ever realize, who we ourselves actually are and how much we need to depend on Jesus Christ. He's the one who provided not just Peter with all his abilities as a fisherman. So think about this for a moment. Before God can do anything through you, you need to get to the point where you trust him enough to go with him on the deep. Where you can't necessarily handle yourself because you can't touch the bottom. You have to trust in Jesus, right? He needed this. In spite of the obviously foolish thing, I worked all night. I've always already cleaned the nets. You remember they said that? They were already doing that. And yet he says, at your word. You know, that's what faith is. Faith reaches beyond our human calculation. It would make no sense for Peter to go out. I worked all night. I know when to catch these fish. I've been on this lake. It's not all that big. Some of you have been there. It's not all that big. I know where they are. I'll find them. And I didn't. Human calculations will put you where you've always been. Faith goes beyond your two plus two equals four. That's what that is right here. So his faith required that he put his trust in the one who can carry him where he could not carry himself. He just flat couldn't touch the bottom and find his own footing without Jesus. Casting your net on the deep as Christians. It follows that same kind of thing. What I just said spoke to us as human beings. I don't care if you're a Christian for that matter. It's just a reality as you only stay where you've always been. Your life, the abundant life turns into mere existence. And Jesus is inviting you to have a much deeper experience. And so here's what happened. Here's what had happened to, 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 to Simon. He said, oh, you can have my boat. Jesus lacked the pulpit, so he got his boat. And it's not just an action of, or an act of, of, of kindness, I think. I think there's much more to that. There's something here about how you think about what is yours. Are we hearing this? Some people think, well, it's mine, and I'm glad to let the Lord have a little bit of it. I'll, I'll be glad to share. I'm a good person, right? I'll write a check every so often. I give some of my stuff. Or we think the other way. 
Like seems to be what, what Simon was doing. He said, Lord, everything I have is yours. Thank you for allowing me to be a good steward of it. So I can use some of that also in my, my service to you. I recognize it's not mine. You know, there, there are two different uh, stories in the Gospel of Luke that kind of puts this up as, as massive, massive kind of contrast, right? One of them is in, in chapter 12, uh, where, where uh, Jesus is, is telling this parable about the rich fool. And uh, just for sake of time, instead of reading it, let me just summarize it right here. Here's this guy who has had this incredible harvest. And so the next verses, you can look it up in, in chapter 12. Everything is about him. He said, you know, what should I do with all that I have? Oh, I know. I will build myself some bigger barns so I can store all my goods and so that I can have a good time later on. Yeah? That's exactly the, the word I and mine are repeated ad nauseum in just these two verses. And then you said here. Peter catches fish so much that it's more than he can do. So he calls his friends and shares his blessings. The difference between the two is fantastic. It's incredible. It changes everything. It has to do deep down with how you think about what you call yours. Is it really the Lord's or is it just yours that you hand out some things to others, including the Lord? Cast your net on the deep. You know, existence, human existence is explained by the law of cause and effect. Christian life is best explained by the word miracle. It's a way of seeing God's hand in a special way, interacting with everything that is going on in our lives. When you just exist, go through the motion of life, you're just finding out this happens, this happens, this happens. So what if you are Living with God, you don't see this as a series of ordinary happenings. You're seeing this an experience of God's extraordinary involvement in your life. Are you looking for that? Friends, are we looking for this? Maybe I should ask that as a church. Are we looking for that as a church? It's almost like he's giving a a recipe here for how to experience a miracle. First, it's about the eyes that see, right? So, so when you when you look at this text and just recognize what's going on, uh, you will see that it all and everything depends on the eyes that see it. If you see something and you're to explain it, you explain it from what you've seen. You comprehend from what you see, and so. Peter had not seen anything. And then they go out. And though, of course, Jesus could have just created a shoal or a school of fish. Uh, 
But is it not more likely that, that Jesus saw what Peter couldn't see on his own? Think about this. You know, apples had fallen down from thousands of trees before there was an Isaac Newton that realized the law of gravity, yes? You know, steam had come up from kettle after kettle after kettle before there was a James Watts that realized the potential of a steam engine. Yes, it depends on the eyes that see, right? And here it's a matter of the eye of faith in some way. I sometimes wonder, I don't know if you, we all know the old song. I think many of us do. You may not all know it. You know, were you there when they crucified the Lord? I sometimes wonder about that. What if I stood there when they crucified the Lord? What would I have seen? Would I just have seen, here's a peasant Jew that had done something against the Roman power, so they crucified him. That's what I would have seen with my naked eye, certainly, yes. But with the eye of faith, I would see that this was not just a passing Jew. This was the only Son of God, Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, hanging on three a tree for my sins. That required... The eyes of faith, yes? Depends on the eyes that see. The same is true. And think about that for a moment. When you, if you're one of these people that are quick with a, with a kind of a normalizing remark, an explanation for anything that happens. So you can miss God. Because your eyes that see are not looking for God's hand. Just think about that for a moment. Here we are, and Jesus speaks here in a second way, and he's looking for this obedience. When he says, put out unto the deep, cast your net on the deep. You know, Peter had every right in the world. And if you're like me, I like to get into a story, yes? You know, if it had been me, Jesus, come on. We were working all night long. Even worse, I just cleaned the darn nets. <laughs> you want us to go back out? I wore out. Find someone else. Now, you would not have done that. I might have. <laughs> it's, it's just a thing, but he said, at your word, I will. It is the difference between those who just trust themselves and those who trust Jesus. At your word, I will. That's where we are with this. And so the miracle begins where we take Jesus at his word. And we even step out into the deep where we're not sure exactly what's going on all the time. We even try the impossible. So can I round it up like this? This is such a powerful, powerful text. There's so much more we could have said about this, right? The lesson that Peter was taught was that that kind of attitude 
will transform your life. Because it is right after that, as they come back, that Peter or Simon breaks out in worship. See, that's what happens when you meet Jesus. Right? When you can come up, oh, yeah, we found another show. That was kind of neat. But he realized here was something extraordinary going on. God was doing his thing in his life, and he falls on his knees. There's nothing to say other than, get away from me. I'm a sinner. I don't need to be in your presence. And Jesus says, fear not. This is the point where grace meets you right there. All your traumas, all your mistakes, all your guilt, all your stuff meets grace right there. Yes? That's the point that we see. And his life is forever changed by this. Now notice, notice this, and I'll end by that by simply saying this. This is the call. After this, he becomes a disciple. This is the start. Now, if you go to the Gospel of John and, and, and see that first call of, of Simon right there, the story is different, but it speaks to the same power. So Simon comes to Jesus, and Jesus says to him, You are Simon, but you shall be Cephas. Are we getting this? It's not about Samo. It's transformation. You are Simon, but you shall be Peter. And this is not unique for Peter. It is for all of us, right? Every person, when he or she meets Jesus, will be Faced with this very thing. Even if you're at home, even if you just by accident kind of flip through and, and find us here on YouTube, Facebook, or, or on our website. This is the reality. When someone meets Jesus, they're going to hear this. You are, but you shall be. Things are there to change. Don't, friends, be satisfied. And if you're worried, I get it. It's kind of scary to step out in the deep, isn't it? It's, kind of, it's a lot safer to stay on ground. It really is. That's why Jesus begins his whole last thing by saying, fear not. The one who says, I'm with you all the days until the end, begins this statement as well by saying, fear not. Is it possible for us as a church, friends, for you as an individual to say, Lord, at your word, I will. Can we say that together? Lord, at your word, I will. Let's say it again. Lord, at your word, I will. Cast my net on the deep. Yes? Father, I ask, even at this moment, with these words ringing in our minds, the text where you call disciples after teaching them what it means to live in this state of transformation. There will be some here. There will be some at home. 
that need to get to this point where they hear you say to them, you are, but you shall be. Call on us, Father, some to follow you in faith and then baptism like we just saw. Some that needs to say, hey, I got, I got too used to life on the land where I can touch the bottom and I can do what I want. Father, speak to us individually and as a church. Transform us. Give us the boldness to stand up and be counted for, come forward to kneel. Ask for your guidance. Allow us to mean from our heart what we just said with our mouth. At your word, I will. Amen. Let's stand, friends. Whatever God has called you to do at this moment, this is the time.